Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Once again, California had a tough week with wildfires. And while the weather has improved and some evacuation orders have been lifted, firefighters warned that the mega fire era has arrived. And it seems like fire season gets just worse and worse every year. But it doesn't have to be this bad. Because there's actually a lot of things California can do to make fire season more bearable. We also need to pay attention and welcome good fire on the landscape. And that is not something that we have seen in California since before the gold rush. For decades, California has tried to put out fires as quickly as possible all the time, which has actually made wildfires even more dangerous and harder to control. So to make this season more bearable in the future, we'll have to make some big changes and rethink our relationship with fire. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be, California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. You know, we talk about fires a lot while fires are happening. I would like to see us talking about fires all year round. 
Danielle Venton reports on signs for KQED. She reported on every wildfire season in California since 2015. The whole year is an opportunity to prepare for fire season. I really think that California needs to change its relationship with fire. When we talk about characteristics of a bad fire and characteristics of a good fire, you know, a bad fire looks like something that is burning really intensively, out of control, might be killing large trees, is incredibly destructive and is destroying property and lives. No one wants to see those kinds of fires. But the more frequently we have good fires, which look like lower or mid-intensity burns, those go through and burn up accumulated vegetation. They don't kill big old trees. They regenerate the land. And they leave that area at lower risk for a really intense fire. That's what good fire looks like. I always say that California is, you know, is a fire-adapted state. So I spoke to Jeffrey Kane from Humboldt State University's um, Fire Lab, and we talked about how most ecosystems in California are fire-adapted. One of the things he said that really struck me was that he's hard-pressed to think of a more fire-resilient plant than a redwood. I always tell the students, you know, Redwoods have belts and uh, suspenders. They have one of the thickest barks of any tree species, and that's really good at protecting its growing points around the trunk. And then it also has this really unique ability to re-sprout both from the base and also from the entire bowl and crown of the tree. So we also need to pay attention and welcome good fire on the landscape. And that is not something that we have seen in California since before the gold rush. Before Western settlements, fires would start naturally from uh, lightning and they'd be allowed to burn through. And native people used fire to manage the land and to cultivate the land. But when Westerners started settling in, um, in California, there was the idea that fire was bad. Danielle says that in the beginning of the 1900s, there were a series of fires in California and other states in the Mountain West that killed lots of firefighters. Dozens lost their lives. I think it was maybe 30, 40, 50 people lost their lives. And so after that, there was this huge push to put out fire as quickly as possible. And that was just U.S. Forest Service policy. Maybe you remember um, Smokey Bear saying, only you can prevent forest fires. Once there was a little boy who liked to visit his friends, the trees. Hello, tree. Hello, boy. These campaigns started in the 1940s and became the longest-running public service announcement effort in U.S. history. Be sure you're never responsible for this terrible destruction. So remember, only you can prevent forest fires. It only took a couple of decades to become apparent that that was not effective. Restricting fire on the land meant that the forest is still growing and it builds up 
all of this extra vegetation. And so when it does catch fire, there's no avoiding that it will someday catch fire. They burn hotter and they burn out of control. And that was apparent since the 60s. But there was this big legacy and this resistance to burning. There has been some effort to introduce more fire back on the land, but there's a lot of barriers. It can be costly. There's not enough personnel. Um, and we have this huge backlog now of all of this air, all this land that has not been burned for decades that needs to be, basically needs to be burned or be, needs to be treated in some way. Climate change is also playing a big role in more extreme wildfires. California has warmed by about 2 or 3 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's resulted in drier vegetation earlier in the year. But Danielle says that even if we address that problem, we'd still have a lot more to do in order to prevent bigger wildfires. While we have a a fire crisis in this state, we also have a housing crisis. People need places to live. And frequently, one of the more affordable places to live are in rural areas um, that are on the border of kind of urban inhabited areas and wild areas. More and more people are living in those areas that are coming into contact with fire. And that's a huge part of why we're seeing more homes burn. How should we reframe our questions and our thinking around how to prevent these large fires from happening year after year? Like, what questions should we be asking ourselves? So some of the questions that we need to ask are, are there places where we shouldn't rebuild if they are prone to destruction? Who should bear the cost? for rebuilding. What should our insurance policies look like around fire? How can we build fire breaks or features that promote fire safety into a neighborhood? It's interesting, Paradise is in the process of rebuilding and one of the propositions is for there to be a large green belt around the town that would serve as a fire break and some protection. You know, can we agree on how to take care of forests when there's competing interests? These are important questions for us to grapple with. The way to prevent extreme wildfires, you know, it's pretty well understood. It's just, are we willing to do the work and change our habits, change how we live and what we're accustomed to, to get there? And I feel like that this question kind of also gets it like it's about reframing our relationship to wildfires and and learning how to live with wildfires, right? Like not just respond to them. Yeah, absolutely. There are things that now are just how how we do things, wearing seatbelts, um, not smoking in public that, you know, at one point were unthinkable, but we realize that for the greater good and for, you know, the common benefit of society, um, it was worth making some adjustments. In some of these cases, they require people giving up part of what they have. 
I mean, it's a pretty dicey conversation to have with someone who has recently lost a home uh, to suggest maybe they shouldn't rebuild there if that's what comfort and home looks like. You know, that's a hard conversation. As someone who's covered these devastating wildfires year after year, are you hopeful that we could do this? I feel like I have seen change in the five years that I've been reporting on fires. Not radical change, but bit by bit, people just sort of expecting that fire season might be bad and not wanting to accept that as an inevitability, but uh, being willing to think about solutions and think about changes and not just buy ourselves out of the problem with more firefighters, which is not a possible thing to do. Um, I've seen the state legislature and I've seen local governments and I've seen local community organizations work really hard to try to make it easier for people to build in a more fire safe way or to um, make it more you know, to make fire inspections more common, to improve the alerting system. We have some way to go, but but there has been some action on this. I am hopeful. I don't think it's going to be fast. I think we're in for probably another, I don't know, decade or so of things not being fun. But if we really want a change and we prioritize it and we say, hey, we need this for the health of our children, for the health of ourselves, for the health of our land, then I do think we can make a change. Humans are kind of in the, well, they're in the business of causing problems, but we're also in the, the business of fixing problems. Like when we are willing to grapple with what's really involved in the complexity, we have solved amazing things. Like you know, acid rain is no longer a problem. We have much cleaner surface water and cleaner air than we used to. Uh, we banned unleaded gasoline. Like we, you know, solved a bunch of infectious diseases. Like we're just, we're, we're in a really emotionally rough year, but, and like not saying change is easy at all, but change is possible. And knowing that it's possible and being able to imagine how much nicer it would be if we didn't have runaway climate change and catastrophic fires and systemic racism and like incompetent pandemic leadership kind of just making all of our lives so difficult. It is just balm to my heart to know that we can do it better. Earlier this month, the U.S. Forest Service promised that it would help California reduce wildfire risk on a million acres of forest land every year. Federal authorities are also partnering with the Yurok and Karuk tribes in Northern California to use more indigenous ways of burning. Danielle Venton reports on science for KQED. This episode of The Bay was produced by Alan Montecilio and Arti Bandlamudi, who we just want to thank for helping us produce The Bay these past two weeks. You should definitely continue to follow her work on the Silicon Valley desk. The Bay is made at your public radio station, KQED, where our leadership team includes Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Erica Aguilar, Jessica Placek, and Holly Kernan. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Have a great weekend.
Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.